Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Justified Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Justified on FX slash Hulu. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Justified City Prime Evil Season 1, Episode 6, Adios. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? What do you say about an episode like this? It's got it's got great dialogue. Uh, it moves the plot along. Uh, it kills one of my favorite... I don't know if you call them antagonists. Uh... uh. Eh. You know, the, the people living at the fringes of the law on Justified. One of my yeah. favorites. Uh, it's a guy who's just wanting to help out his people, his neighborhood, giving the shirt off his back, giving the car out of his garage, and uh-huh. just just wants just just wants a little piece uh, uh, of something. And uh, this fucker in Klim, who has nothing, uh, takes it all from him. Hard to feel good about it. Hard to feel good about this. Oh, yeah. Also, the the idea that like there is a bigger bad that is pulling the strings behind. There's some kind of traitor, some kind of mole, some kind of either on top or from the bottom uh, bullshit going on, uh, which I want to speculate with you a bit. But yeah, like I mm-hmm. said, it's one of those things where it's like I didn't feel good. Uh, you know, you see, was it Trinell? Is that his boyfriend's name? Him running in there and seeing the the whole bar on fire and explain just it's a it uh, leaves a bad taste for me. But it's not a bad episode. What did you think? Yeah, no, it's not a bad episode. It's one of the better episodes, I think. It's a um, bummer. Yeah, it's just a bummer. Uh, the way it comes together, I thought was really cool. Uh, we've it, it it was it was pretty subtle. I guess the way it came together, they don't they don't dwell on it and they don't like explicitly say. Hey, here's what happened that caused, you know, the gun not to be where the gun used to be. Yeah. And they just kind of let you think about it. And and what I came away with, it might be different from what somebody else came away with, but but we do see a shot of the gun at the beginning. So so they they're trying to like let us have the pieces we need to connect the dots. Um and I, I think that's pretty rewarding. I, I enjoyed it. Um but yeah, man, seeing Sweetie go, I Sweetie's been a huge part of the show. And a big part that I've enjoyed. So and I thought I he would make know. it. Like I thought he would. He's going to be a, a Limehouse type of character because, like, sometimes mm-hmm. those uh, people who are on the, you know, like I said, the wrong side of the law, but are trying to do good, sometimes justified finds a way to uh, let them keep on keeping on. But not this case. Uh, yeah. No, Clem's Clem's just, and, and I like the way they're portraying Clem. You know, he's he's not an idiot. Mm. He's just. <laughs> he's just Clem, you know. He's, he he picks up on things very quickly. He's very street smart and very like observant. I thought that too, and I was trying to figure out like how to square the circle between someone who's so fucking stupid and who has so little impulse control, and someone who's also careful, meticulous about reading expressions and stuff. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the fundamental difference in intelligences, right? You got your IQ, you got your EQ, yeah. you got your you know social IQ. 
But like this episode, I feel like kicks over that. No, he's just a dumbass who, for some reason, is being protected by someone on high. Yeah, yeah, but that's it does certainly possible. But that makes me think that the judge, like, are they going to reveal that this ju- judge guy was like uh, a hit all along? That Manzel was being used or was using someone to get that book and like because like that because uh, mm, otherwise because Ray, Raylan's trying to like as I thought it was the the, the standard justified irony of Raylan trying to uh, undo a mystery that we knew was no mystery at all it was just some kind of uh-huh. random bullshit and it might yeah. go down that way but now that they're talking about internal corruption and who's protecting Manzel uh, I'm starting to think like oh god maybe they're they sure didn't write it that way. If I'm thinking back that first episode, I did not get the idea that uh, he was mm-hmm. waiting for judge, judge, uh, uh, judge guy. Yeah, or that he was called in. I mean, he, we see him driving in to Detroit at the beginning, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But was he called there by somebody to do this hit? And maybe he was just like messing around with other things in the meantime. It it felt very circumstantial the way that he. Ended well, up I, f- in I felt that like that so. what happened there is that you know he's out stealing cars, doing whatever, and Sandy when she gets a mark on the line, uh-huh. uh, she calls him and he comes in to you know play the heavy, um, and because that's what the whole like they were supposed to do the whole scam on Law Garage that night. Yeah, Judge Guy kind of got in the way in the parking garage and pissed off Clem, and then he decided, you know what, uh, mission B here. Is kill this so it's judge. this weird thing where it's it's happenstance and do da dumb luck, but also <laughs> a conspiracy that goes all the way to the top. I don't think it can be both, right? I, right? It can't. So well, I got two, I two more episodes left to find out. Um, Just not a who lot of do time. you think? Who do you think the mole in the department is? I've seen a lot of people talking about the mole and mentioning specifically Marine. And it, I find that line of thought pretty compelling. It's it's not bad. I'll 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 agree. It's not bad. It's it's you know she's she seems like the least likely person at this point, but that kind of makes her more suspicious in some ways. Well, especially there's that key. Remember this like throwaway line where her and Raylan were talking about like he's like, man, how do you make all this work? You know, you've got this nice house, and she's like, what did she say? You just she, pretend. Yeah, yeah. And to me. Like they want you to think it's Brill, or they mm-hmm. want you to think it's you know one of the the. the I don't think it's Wendell. No, like it I, seems like from that he's uh, he's not one of them bad apples, but he's also not too concerned with trying to find the bad apples because that's how Detroit works apparently, and mm-hmm. that makes me feel good about our justice system. But I yeah yeah I think it's I think if you and Brill's like, you, they want you to think it's Brill. Because he's such a fucking asshole and such a abhorrent example of a police officer, but like I, I do think it's going to be Marine, the person that we like, the person that uh, Raylan kind of respects. It's going to be one of those rebukes of like you can't have it all, Raylan. You know, not not and do things right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the other option is there isn't uh, a mole, and Clem is just that smart not to bring the actual book to the meet before he sees the money. That um, is a possibility. I, and he just got lucky, right? Again, and and Raylan's wrong about like that luck means something, because um, he's got lucky f- and unlucky many times. It would be funny if 
there's two circumstantial like you know the judge guy thing was just an accident and clem being lucky is just an accident there's like nothing there there but there's also this huge like i don't know the way Raylan said some combination of this clem guy the judge's dirty dealings in this book are like fundamentally warping and changing how things are working in this city um Hmm. which is weird because like i said i thought this some of this uh, stuff in this episode was a left turn at albuquerque because like i wasn't getting i mean i guess that's it, i i i wasn't I, I guess i just was surprised that they're going down this angle that like oh clem's got some protection higher up that this might be orchestrated this might because because you're right like you yeah. said it's like they both can't be true at the same time mm-hmm. um unless but- you got like a burn after reading ending. Do you have you seen that movie? That uh, mm. oh, was that with the 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 Cohen brothers and uh, yes, and George Clooney and Brad Pitt. George Clooney. And... Yeah, at the end of it, you've got these two CIA officers, and they're oh, like, what "So what happened? Yeah. Oh, this guy came in and killed that guy. Was he working for us? No, he's just a dude from." And it's like, so do we are uh-huh. are we good here? And like, it's like, is this just going to be some bumblefuck farce? Well, I, I mean, that's the way Sweetie goes out, right? Like that bit of luck that protects Clem at the end is just that. It's stupid, blind it's not, luck, right? Is it's, it luck or did Clem? Because like, to me, I think Clem paid a visit earlier and got that gun. But how would he? Yeah, or no? Or I, did... I mean, the, we see the gun. So we see the gun at the beginning. We haven't seen the gun since like episode three when Sweetie hit yeah, yeah, yeah. behind uh-huh, the jukebox. Uh-huh. Right now, we see the gun in a conspicuous shot at the beginning with Trinell just kind of having it behind the bar uh i guess for protection while sweetie's out because he, so Trin- you know, yeah okay yeah he's right. he's just a dude at a bar right he's not sweetie um right and, and so i think what happened is he just forgot to put it back yeah and so it wasn't there with it. and so that's just dumb luck that 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 gun wasn't I, there to shoot clem and i don't even know i if missed it, he that that was the clem. same gun i guess because like I just assumed it was one of the mini guns that Sweetie has planted all over the bar. <laughs> it might have. It might have. But been, you're right. No, I, I feel like a real. I feel like a real idiot now. Um, well, I had to go back and look at the episode. So he. So like, then that's that? luck. So that's like luck. Because like, yeah, if Trinell right. took the gun, it's just because he felt nervous because. Because Sweetie of, was out, and he's running the bar himself, and there's a lot of bad shit around, right? <laughs> It's all it's all caused by Clem because if Clem sure, doesn't go yeah. steal the painting, Lonnie doesn't come by. If Lonnie doesn't come by, Trinell doesn't get spooked. It's, tra- it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's all a bunch of circumstantial stuff swirling around the Oklahoma wild man, right? So it might just be but, that he's lucky. He, but I feel he like reads some of this... people really well. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like he might have read Sweetie better 100%. than Sweetie thought in that scene and realized this could be a trap and or. I've been getting screwed on these deals. I'm going to make this deal my own by not yeah, bringing gonna tr- the book, gonna change just taking yeah. the cash yeah. and, and you know, telling them, look, if you want the book, you need, you need more money. <sighs> That's a shitty way to blackmail people. Uh, is there a good way to blackmail people like, no but that's like just way that like leans into the uh sunk that that that, that seems uh um it, that oh it, it pulls the veil engineered back engineered right? to get over the sunk cost fallacy and get mm-hmm. into the rip the band-aid off because it's like well shit if i'm going to get a vict- victimized by black bail and just keep coming back then yeah. This either happens to the, all my entire life where I just go to the cops and, you know, so I I don't know. Uh, For sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what exactly happened there, but I, all this is to say there doesn't necessarily have to be a mole. It could just be dumb luck. It could be dumb luck. 
It could and be a, a farce. guy with a keen sense of, you know, people. Uh, who's what's going on here? Who's messing with me? Who's on my side? Who isn't? Uh, what's I the really danger? What's the angle? Yeah. Is there any potential that Carolyn is doing this? Uh. For some reason that she... I, she's the only other one that really could be. Because when you talk about, you know, um, douche cop, Brill, uh, uh-huh. he's kind of off the case right now, right? We haven't seen him even in they, a room with a conversation. That, that he was kept in the loop of this. I consp- oh, they conspicuously they? mentioned his name as one of the ones that are kept, uh, was, was informed that they were doing the sting operation. He didn't show up because oh. I think he's still on administrative lead, but I thought it was weird that Mo said that, but I thought it was like, oh, well, here's all the suspects. It's it's Mo, it's Raylan, mm-hmm. it's Wendell, it's Brill, and then she mentioned and a couple of other support units. So it's like, but like, it's mm-hmm. one of those four people, right? It has to be. Or Carolyn, like you said. Yeah. Or, or one of the bosses. Uh, okay, the chief, the chief is tipping off Clem. I mean, they had a federal circuit judge on the payroll, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like not just on they the payroll, the running the payroll. I think she like I I I find because uh, it's not is it the, when Raylan went in that guy's office was that a marshal's office or was that the Detroit Police Department? I thought it was because I thought he I... said I hey he's like I talked to your boss and your boss said you don't need so like I don't think these are marshals. I think that's what the I reason, thought too. Yeah. The reason Raylan's brought in this is because the the whole courtroom protection security is part of the whole marshal's, you know, mission statement. So, I don't know, man. There's a lot of possibilities. Um, There's only two more episodes I'm, left to untangle this knot. That's the thing. I'm not discounting anybody either. So they're all still on the table. the the op The option that there is no conspiracy and there it's just dumb luck is on the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. But there are some pieces like it is late season uh, justified, so they took uh, at least a, a rook off the table here in Sweetie. So, speaking and of, it that's being... the thing. It's like I, I was mentioning that like um, Sandy, hmm. you, you talked about how like um, Clem just gets lucky, and like, I just feel like some like he's an agent in chaos, and sometimes that works for him. But like what Sandy's doing seems like it's put it's it's something that he has no idea what's going on and she's kind of doing her own thing and it could fuck up his stuff kind of like what uh sweetie said about carolyn like your shit's fucking up with my shit mm-hmm. you know the fact that sandy's just doing her own thing at all uh with clem having no idea is uh i don't know i feel like sandy's the one's gonna bring him down yeah totally could be i mean she almost brought clem down by hiding that gun at sweetie's you know if it weren't for yeah. trinell having moved it without sweetie knowing yeah sweetie might have been able to take clem out but she's the one of those ava boyd types that she's never going to be on the right side of the law it's just yeah can she yeah. not murder someone can she get away without murdering somebody you know can she can she maintain that kind of like goodness about her maybe we'll see uh i'm i'm a little surprised that we have heard not a peep from the albanians this late in the season they have not gotten anything that i would call justice yeah raylan brushed them off and then that's that's the last thing we saw i'm expecting big albanian moves in the next couple of episodes but surely they haven't forgotten about that right you can't i mean the klim killed do you think they're hoping we forgot about they spent a whole episode talking about how big a deal it is 
for uh-huh. them to kill one of their family, right? Yeah. There's no yeah, way yeah. they can just let it go. Do you think they're hoping we forget so that they can come in yeah. for a big old shootout? Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. right. Raylan and, and Clem will be, you know, showing down in the middle of the street at high noon, and then here come the Albanians to pull his teeth yeah. out or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, maybe we should get into the recap. Let's do it. There ain't nothing in life that comes for free. That's why we had this ad break. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. The first of the summer shows to hit our calendar begins next week, so it's time for us to talk about The Boys. Join us for the Season 4 Preview Podcast this Thursday to see if The Boys can continue to delight and disgust. This is normally where we tell you about what's going on with the latest Prestige podcast. Unfortunately, due to the very hectic nature of our summer lineup, we decided to move Prestige to an every other week release schedule. That means no Prestige podcast this week. We'll be back with more Prestige covered soon. Don't forget about the bear. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. The boys season four gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. A lot's happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment. wherever the podcast takes me welcome back to the justified podcast we start off with Raylan, who can't sleep carolyn comes calling at his hotel room with information that he might want about the book and she tells him just how significant it is that she trusts him and he invites her inside uh i'm i think that all of the bullshit in hotels nowadays is terrible for people who trying to get a good night's sleep on the road. They got that because I'm I'm with I, if I'm uh, frequently sleepless in a hotel room, I'm staring at the ceiling. You can't help but notice all the fucking blinking shit, the smoke alarms and the <laughs> CO two. Uh-huh. The fact that like most hotels now have like motion sensing air conditioning, so it shuts off like at nighttime oh, unless you're like fuck moving. You, that's Dude. what I need it the most. I know. I'm like, I'm going to set this thing up to, you know, so I can get a nice good. And it's just like I wake up to sweating like a crazy person. Then it kicks on, of course, because I'm moving around and may- yeah, fuck, fuck all the hotel experience. Um, it's like they're in, they're in a race for the bottom between them and Airbnb. Uh, you got to 
You got, you what else? Is there anything else to, to talk about in this scene, or just want to talk about ho- the the hotel experience? <laughs> I, I mean, she's talking. She she's saying the right things to the right person here. You know about uh, not legal but just. Raylan deeply understands the concept of it's not legal but it's just. Justified is the name uh-huh. of the show. <laughs> now, she's either being completely straight with him or so manipulative that it's almost unforgivable. There's no there's no middle lane. And I think it's so interesting the juxtaposition of this scene and the later one where uh-huh. Raylan, Raylan is is mm-hmm. not trusting her and she's trying to get him to relax and come inside mm-hmm. um i just yeah i i it's like i don't think that carolyn is the rat but it's stuff like that that makes me think they're at least tagging that base tagging up on that base to, to, to make to make us suspicious yeah I, I, so there's a direct line from carolyn to clem through mm. sweetie yeah I'm trying to remember exactly how much Raylan knows about that. Like those back channels. He doesn't. That's he, the he's thing. Wanting I, to. It's the thing that makes me wonder if there, there isn't a mole, because Raylan doesn't know that Carolyn is talking to Sweetie about the book, day in and day out. Yeah. Um. I, no, actually, he does. He does because she came to him with the the name, for Diane. So. But he doesn't know about the sweetie thing, right? I guess he doesn't know about the sweetie stuff and how she would want to warn sweetie, right? Uh, about this, yeah, yeah. It's, she didn't know it's about the lot. She didn't know about the Lonnie stuff. Like it's it's right, so right. funny because like uh, uh, the four people trying to coordinate this sting, there was one extra thing that they didn't know about that, ev- and then the person mm-hmm. that knew about that one didn't know. It's it's this kind of like uh, rock paper scissors information game they're playing. Yeah, which is uh, kind of a hallmark of Justified, which I really love. That's why now Raylan coming into the penultimate episode is like, fuck it, I want answers. I'm tired, you uh-huh. know, because he's getting run around some he, by somebody. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that scene when we get there at the end. The thing is, is like, weird. how does she continue to use the book in ways that are not legal but are very... Is she saying that, like, I'm... I Is, is that statement saying I'm foregoing this justice um because i'm going to give you the book and that's what the stakes are or is she because like i kind of thought that maybe she thought she could use the book (laughs) after they make the arrest i'm like that's not going to happen right no i mean it's probably and she already used it like arguably she took her what you would call her chief political rival diane took her down with the book yeah yeah, she's out of the picture for out of the running for this judge position. Um, and she knows Diane's dirty and dirty in a way that is particularly offensive. Because again, she doesn't care about law breaking so much, but like you help a police officer get away with shooting an unarmed was black kid, young black man. Yeah, she's going to take exception to that. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if it's a case of she is about to do something that she shouldn't technically do because Clem is her client. But but I don't know that's well, legally binding. I, I'm not. I, well, I don't know about legal, but like the she could probably get disbarred over any three things that's happened in the last oh, three episodes. Oh, yeah. And Raylan could get thrown out of the marshal service for any three things he's done in the last three episodes too. And one of the things that they share in common is 
is doing each other. Those I'm pretty sure uh, that like uh, you're not allowed as a defense attorney. I can't imagine. To fuck a police the the, the the chief investigator on your client's case. And I'm yeah. pretty sure if you're a marshal you're not allowed to fraternize with the defense of the primary uh, suspect of your investigation. Mm-hmm. All really messy for very obvious good reasons. Naughty, yeah. very naughty to Raylan and Carolyn here. But until now, she's been very defensive of Clem, right? Like she's been, you know, this is my client. Go do your thing and do it the right way and we'll see if you get him because it's my right. job to protect him. Now she's coming to him saying, I think we can get this guy, but I have to break some rules to do it. That, that's what and I was I, getting from the scene. But Yeah, and I'm going to keep my, I'm going to tell you what I think you need to know and you're going to have to trust me. Mm-hmm. with the rest but now Raylan's burnt he feels like he's been burnt and he's going to want the whole answer and part of this conversation was obviously uh, we're going to need to go blackmail the DA right because we don't have the actual evidence we need we I've seen a name in a book but I can't prove it it's just my word against there's a hers. lot of asses so being hung out stuff in this episode right like when Mo says to, to oh, Diane yeah. look Diane you think I would come with you if I didn't have this dead to rights she has got she shit doesn't. No, she's got a cell phone photo of this page maybe maybe if Diane took one and and that's that's the thing and Raylan didn't, I don't book, think Raylan showed it to her like because it's like she's having to he's she's saying like it's it's funny because like she's a cop she's saying this is thin 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 oh boy oh boy and mm-hmm. then to the mark she's like we got you dead to rights uh, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if there's a, ju- a intentional juxtaposition to see how the civilian white collar criminals deal with a police press versus like we saw the three way press they put on Sweetie, Sandy, and Clem, and they just like fuck you, I can tell them nothing. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Diane thought she was in control, but she she rolled pretty quickly. Yeah, I did notice how they were treating her just like they would somebody, some criminal they were sweating, right? Because, I mean, she oh, is a criminal. When they She's dropped done... the, like, it was a moment when Raylan, when she was like, what do you want from me? Oh, nothing that we wouldn't fr- want from any other CI. Like, mm-hmm. that's got mm-hmm. a sting as a prosecutor, as a as yeah. a big dick it's swinging a, prosecutor. It's a big demotion, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a slap in the face. Uh, let's go over to Bert Dickey going to a trailer to ask one of his former employees, Lonnie, to get his painting back. Lonnie has some demands that might include a severance package that he didn't get when he was fired from for stealing from Bert. Uh, it's a lot of trust stuff this episode. You know, he's talking about how you completely betrayed my trust um, with Lonnie, stole from him. Um, I've hit so much pay dirt with my crazy hunches that like this this might be an overreaction. But oh boy, <laughs> are bulldozer and Lonnie lovers? <laughs> oh my god. Everyone, Are they partners everyone's in banging more... in this show. I'm just saying, Carolyn, Raylan, Sweetie, Trinell, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. I've been right. <laughs> this might be the third time. This, this might be the the third time that uh, blows up my charm. I don't know, but like I got uh, a little bit of hint. Lovers, that's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, it'd be Lonnie. You His know, police dog. He, he's, uh, oh, oh, Brill, I thought you were talking about the dog. Yeah, I thought you were talking about this dog that got oh, sick on bulldozer. No, no. No, he's he's definitely sicking dogs on him. I, I don't know about the lover angle, but there's definitely some hurt feelings here. For it's sure, just, they're, just, they're being very okay. They're being very cagey about the nature of the partnership that got blown up over the thievery. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. Well, I don't know. They got what was what was uh, Cross's reaction to hearing Lonnie get his brains blown out. 
I guess it wasn't that of like an anguished lover. But then again, this is this is a this is a relationship that broke bad. Sure. Uh, yeah. He's going to the Bahamas. Maybe maybe the Bahamas was the place where they met. He's going there to memorialize him. I don't know. But going back to Kokomo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is? Why are they continuing to go on about the stay in the garlic? I, I I thought maybe some more information had come up in the last few weeks, since, and I tried to do another search for like Stanley Gar. I, I cannot find anything about. Nah, it just it feels like a thing. Just There's a thing. Second, they made a thing. Is, is this an executive producer to paints on the side? Because like a thirty second infomercial, like David Cross is this close to being a home shopping network guy mm-hmm. like hey, next we got the stanley garlic oh man look at the colors <laughs> look at the brushwork uh call now four easy payments of 29.99.99 grandkids will love it got to get them a stanley garlic uh mm-hmm. how much do you think that garlic's worth i know sandy's gonna take it to the appraisal uh to, to the gallery later to get it appraised I've got no fucking clue, man. Like, is it worth like 30 grand? That's what it feels like the show is treating it as what it's worth. Because, right? Because he says he dabbles. He's not like a big player in art uh, yeah. art collection, but he dabbles and he's enthusiastic. Um, so, yeah, I could see a guy like that having a sub $100,000 painting for sure. But yeah. that might. I, so, Sandy, I, here's the thing that completely boggles my mind every time they start talking about stuff is how little money they think is enough money to run away with. Like, dude, Sandy's I got, got that six in my grand in her hand and she is out the one foot out the door to the Bahamas ready to go. That'll buy you like a week's worth of drinks in a hotel room in the Bahamas, man. I mean, I'm if you want to stay in the nice places, which she clearly they, likes nice things. Did they not bother to update the now, uh, the amounts in the original Leonard Elmore novel? Because like maybe thirty years ago, if you got fifty grand, you could sure. go and like hide in the Bahamas for a year. Because the other thing I thought is like, maybe they're not looking to disappear forever. This isn't a dentist cashing out his policy, going to Belize like season one justified plan. This is more like we have got a lot of heat on us. Let's get good. Let's get out. Live up. You know, let's get out of the city for six, eight weeks. Live it up, and then we can come back and run a new scam. Because Maybe. you're right, twenty grand, yeah, is not enough to do shit on the run. No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, so so that's buy- what I'm thinking. Like, I I'm unimpressed with Sandy's idea of what a lot of money is, and she thinks that this painting could be worth a lot of money. So I will be unimpressed with the total they're willing to offer her i think so 30 grand yeah that that might feel right and she's gonna go oh my god 30 grand sold and then Mm. she's gonna try and get out of here i assume right or does she take this money back to clem and be like hey clem i got our money for us let's leave and then he says no i got stuff to do ah one final betrayal. i don't know man i don't know how much uh how how bamboozled the clem's got her because I, I was hoping, like, oh my god, this is the first smart thing you've done all season. Uh-huh, get, uh-huh. I mean, you. I don't know if you're going to be successful, but like, get, get your bag and get the fuck out. Get so far away from this guy, right? So, that's what I would tell her. I do feel like there is a change in their relationship, like that. Her impassioned plea of like, I gotta believe you when you say you're ready to bounce, and him saying. Oh, baby, don't worry about it. I'm never going to let anything hurt. When we all, like, I even think she knows now that he would serve her up on a platter. It would keep him out of jail or out of the grave one more day. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about her. You're absolutely right about 
That, I think she realizes. I, does it she now. know it? Does she does she has she internalized it? You know, has she realized it or internalized it? Because the fact I think she went she out that painting that. and tried to sell it, like she knows that is going to, I mean, probably provoke violence from Clint, and she knows so. how dangerous he is. So it's like, I to me that felt like a, a crossing of the Rubicon. But I'm dealing with the woman that thinks fifteen grand is <laughs> retirement money and the and and you know coke tropics, so. yeah. Uh, Maybe on the fictional island of Kokomo, you could live for ten grand, but it, it could also be that you know Clint promised her just twenty more grand, and we'll get out of here. And she thinks this painting is worth that, and so she's selling it to get their money so they can leave together. And she does love the guy. I mean, yeah. she started off the season like pretty pretty madly in love with him. So you can uh, turns out you can you can really manipulate people a lot if they love you. Yeah. Pro tip. Pro tip. <laughs> Life hack. Oh, ethical uh, life hack, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clem and Sweetie talk about tape players as they wait for their next mark to arrive at the uh, parking garage rooftop. When he does, Sweetie makes the exchange, and uh, they get, it, you know, he, he starts to make the exchange, you know, the page for, for cash. Unfortunately, the guy doesn't have 15K that they want, and wants to know if they'll take 12K instead. Clem is predictably upset. He rams the guy's car with theirs, the guy gets out, runs to the ledge, and jumps over, splatting on the ground. Wow. The thing is, is I don't totally disagree with Clem's criminal analysis here. It, yep. <laughs> it's Nobody, just... Nobody's, nobody's got 12 grand that ain't got 15. He's 100% right on that. There is there's three grand. Although, I think they're telling us something that, like, uh, the next scene with Sandy, they don't have 15 grand. They no, just they have don't. the 12 grand. Um, he, but well, he kinda, says it's in his wallet. What are they going to do? Go down to the body and get? I thought they were like I thought they're, that's they're like the go explicit to the understanding. Like you're that's... in a parking garage. What are you going to do? Not go to the first floor? While you're on the first floor, <laughs> grab the guy's Stop wallet. By the you body know? that we just Boom. created. Boom! Uh-huh. Stop by the crime scene. No, I Leave thought our all, fingerprints. I th- Look, I thought that was, was all nuts, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did think that was the plan. That, and I thought they were telling us that Clem is Ooh. his instincts aren't as good as they. But I, I thought fundamentally his criminal instinct is fine. It's just that like you don't jump to ramming a guy's Prius off the yeah. garage and and throw and and chase and chase him off the roof. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he says maybe he didn't pull Sweetie his gun. Back I'm with, like, dude, you did maybe more than pull a gun. Send Sweetie back over with Clem glaring at him from across the parking lot the whole time and be like, look, man, uh, this is the last time I'm coming to talk to you. Uh And my supervisor wants his 15 grand. So do you have a plan to get us this extra three large in the next 15 minutes or do I need to send the supervisor over? And you probably get, but like, because yeah, everything he says about the new, everything Mm -hmm. he says about the car salesmanship and the angle of it, like, fuck yeah, hell yeah. Uh-huh. You and I have done a car deal where we rolled up at a place with like fifteen hundred, and I'm like, bring twelve, and fuck <laughs> if that guy didn't take it, right? So well, like, it, it oh, it works, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's uh, there's those negotiating tactics, and Clem knows it. I mean, Clem, that's the thing about Clem that's so frustrating is he's so damn smart in that regard. He can yeah. he can assess he can assess just like everything going on around him in the moment with extreme ease. And yet he's so impulsive that he can't help but fuck everything up. He's also really insecure. Like, I think the only thing that's really important to him is his musical talent, which unfortunately he has none. <laughs> yeah. And he's not amazing. He's no Jack White for sure. 
but that's like he wants to be a rock star and he's got every mm-hmm. single fucking piece of the package except for there's not enough autotune in the world so i think that's one of the big things that makes him this imp- like you know because he's trying to be a rock star this other way um yeah yeah he doesn't have the voice but, yeah. but he does have the balls for sure <laughs> he they they yes and we've lots seen lots of clinking when he walks apparently uh, all right. Let's go to Raylan telling Maureen that he knows about the book. Uh, that Sweetie and Manzel are using it to shake people down. Um, he wants to try and catch Manzel with the book on him, and he has a plan to use a name in the book to do it. And Maureen also, over the course of this conversation, just totally figures out that he's sleeping with Carolyn. The just, look on Raylan's blindsides face blindsides him with it. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, because like, it's not like she's led on the whole conversation. And then like she just hits him like, you're sleeping with this lawyer, aren't you? And Raylan's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's got no, I, you're talking to the lead detective on a big case. You should probably realize she's good at detecting. I don't feel like Timothy Oliphant gets enough credit for his comedic timing and oh, yeah. just instincts. Like he's very funny without trying to be. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, like I said, the look is just, it's, it's, it's great. Um, evidence that Mo is not the mole. Okay. I was trying to think of like, would she have enough time to put this together if she was the mole or is there some kind of, nah, no, I don't think I got anything in here. Um, is this one of those things where it's like she is putting she's the lead person she is keeping all of the cards intentionally close like to saying like hey there's only like three or four people in this whole thing that know what's going down surely she's got to know this puts a big target on her back if if this thing gets interfered with so it's like is she sure you would almost want to go you would almost want to call an all hands meeting and tell everybody this is what we're doing right so that everybody's yeah. a potential mole yeah 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 spread that that suspicion around right yeah i don't know maybe she's maximally leveraged like diane is so she has to do something stupid because she's being forced to do it it's not her choice she's yeah if they get the book i mean she would be implicated you know she's playing it really fucking cool like mo is like mm-hmm. uh went up several levels in my estimation for being able to pull this off because like i said she is fucking with Raylan at the end of this conversation when her heart and it's got it and mine's got to be railing racing and spinning assuming she's the mole yeah definitely again um, yeah so and, i don't know and she's going toe to toe with a fabrication uh oh with with the da with just a total fabrication like mm-hmm. we don't have anything on her if she doesn't go for this we're screwed uh, yeah. And my career is probably over. <laughs> yeah, and she nails it. So, although yeah, maybe she's... she's not afraid because, like, like, like Diane observes at the end of the scene, like I'm pretty much finished. So maybe she's like, well, either way, I come out of this with a person who's going to maybe if she loves an attack. It's like she's like, whoa, oh, the person who took a hundred thousand dollar bribe to let an officer kill some unarmed kid. Oh, there's, she's the one talking about a corrupt police. Oh, interesting. Huh? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where she just did the math and like, there's, there's not a threat here. Yeah. And she basically says that like the court of public opinion is going to convict you regardless of whether we have, well, she know in her bones that Diane's on that book because she's intimately familiar with the book. Um, 
So that way she would convincingly be able to say, I know I've got the goods on you, Diane, but from a corrupt way instead of a... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how familiar she'd be with that book. She's I just I, I go back to that scene with Judge Gay. Judge Gay. Judge Guy. Mm-hmm. Judge Guy waving that book around and saying, like, you're, you know, like, you don't want to be doing this in my office because I got stuff on you. I got stuff on your boss. Like, he made it seem like everyone in that room, except for maybe Raylan, could potentially be implicated by people asking too many questions about his. So, like, it could be Marine's boss. It could be Marine herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, Lonnie goes to Sweetie's to see him, but he's not there, so he just decides to wait at the bar. Uh, this is the scene where we see Trinell. He's he's actually got the gun behind the bar before Lonnie shows up. At the very beginning of this scene, we see a shot of him kind of moving it around behind the bar. And, and I don't know... So, so there's a... At the very beginning of this scene, he's also getting a text or texting somebody and not getting a response and that might be sweetie and he yeah. might be getting worried just uh-huh. in general which is why he has the gun back there and it looks like some of like he I don't know whether this is just sweetie's bar but he's got like the neighborhood support there you know like uh-huh. Lonnie yeah. I think considers rolling tough on him because you know Trinell looks like a guy a guy like Lonnie could roll tough on and he glances over and there's like five people down at the bar kind of sizing Lonnie up and he's like nah mm. this is not the right there's too much sweetie love yeah. in this place for me to overcome with my physical presence so yeah you're out of your element Lonnie and that's a damn shame because it turns out like there was no real threat here like <laughs> should have left a gun in a jukebox yeah yeah absolutely that's... your people had a handled Trinell oh man yeah. It's a tragedy because like five things have to go wrong for Sweetie to be dead at the end of this episode, and they all did. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to Sandy. She is happy to have more money coming in. She's at the you know Del Weems place. Sweetie's there. Clem's there. Sweetie notices that Clem still has this garlic painting in the apartment and realizes he went back to Bert's afterward. Uh, he's pissed about that, but then Trinell calls Sweetie and says, somebody named Lonnie's at the bar to see him. Sweetie says, I'm on my way. And so he leaves, and then Sandy asks Clem, how much more money do we need before we leave? And he says, 20K, and he reassures her, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, this is where I think Sandy opened her eyes. Um, Like, she wanted him to be honest and, you know, reassure her, and he does, but I don't think... He gives her a firm number. That's, That's the one thing that I think Sandy is still hanging on here and why she might be taking this cash back to him. Yeah. He gives her that exact number, 20K. So she brings 20K back. She can say, okay, baby, here's 20K. Let's get out of here. And then he can disappoint her the final time. Yeah. By saying, "Ah, I still got the book. I still got things to do. You know, she's not supposed to settle with Raylan, you know, and I don't think she's appropriately afraid of Clem. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I agree, man. No, I think I think she is so on the hook with this guy. This is where I had in my notes like, why are they acting like twenty five thousand is like an insane <laughs> amount of money? Yeah. Um, but we we kind of talked about the scene a lot in terms of breaking down the debate nego, you know, because we had the negotiation tactics, which again, I think Clem's instincts are right. His just you mm-hmm. know he's uh, jumping to beating people to lead pipe way too quick, especially since like these. 
all the none of these people seem like they're criminals mm-hmm. in like the hardened sense of the word. This fucker's driving a Prius and he's so he's so pissing his pants scared of Clem. He jumps off a building rather than take a like uh, look at the uh, the bulldozer. Like David mm-hmm. Cross is many things, but like criminally intimidating, not one of those. Like Agreed. I don't think they need a big heavy. They need a smooth, charming guy that knows how to work the angles like Sweetie. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking Clem. What, what more can you say? Yeah, well, he wants it all, man. He wants it all, and you don't get it all by taking three k less than you expected to get. He wants to be. He wants to be the rock star. So Marine and Raylan go to see the DA Diane, and they tell her that they have her name in the book listing bribes. Uh, and she was apparently, I, I don't know how they would get this information, but she was apparently taking bribes to let kill, guilty cops off the hook for shooting people without cause. Uh, they put pressure on her to help them out. She doesn't answer, but I have it on pretty good authority that she's she caved. Yeah. Uh, I like how she calls Raylan the rodeo clown from the bar. <laughs> from the bar. <laughs> There's also some really good dialogue here when, you know, mm-hmm. Mo comes up. It's like, oh, it looks like you've had the day from hell. And she goes, hell would have spit this day out and called it overcooked. That's, <laughs> I want to add that to she my... Uh, goes back to the, the Clem stuff earlier right yeah Clem sending his steak back yeah I want to I want to add that to my my phrase bank I think Mm -hmm. but she says it's just so that's the thing she says just you me Wendell and Brill and a couple of units to uh, back up but now that couple of units does a lot of heavy lifting because I hear couple units I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that's at least four other officers yeah part the cops and, and their partners yeah yeah, so 50% of the possible co-conspirators we've never seen on camera know their names. Mm-hmm. But from the named ones, you look at it, can't be Raylan. No, obviously not. It's got it's got to be Mo, Wendell, or Brill. And I think Brill is too easy to suspect. Maybe it's Wendell. Man, I don't want it to be Wendell because Wendell it seems will, it like will the le- best of the cops. Jit break my heart. It, yeah. It'll be like uh, fucking we own the city all over again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, Goddamn, the one guy that him. seems like he's got his shit together and trying to do a decent job, but he's the one that's... St- oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe shoot, most too perfect the mole. Raylan in an alley or some something accidentally. <laughs> Is, could you say the most too perfect because they have four shots, you know, the whole like, oh, just fake it to, you know, and she looks a little too comfortable I mean, I, to be a cop. I do want foreshadowing. You know, I just want yeah. it to be such good foreshadowing that maybe I didn't see it coming until they pointed out. Yeah. And I would, I, like I said, I would not see the Wendell coming, but I don't think they've laid many tracks there, too. I don't think so either. He shuts this conversation with Raylan down pretty hard when Raylan's like, you know, something doesn't feel right here about this whole thing. I want to talk, let's like, instead of talking about that now, let's wait because okay. yeah, like, yeah. I do want to go over that because, like, it's a really interesting conversation. All right, I'll just say, yeah, he shuts that down pretty hard. So he does, you know, maybe too hard. You know, maybe he gets a little too defensive, but we'll talk about it here in a bit. We got to get out of this town alive. We'll be right back. We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. 
Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com slash live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com slash live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid bald move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R.R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. I just poured a fresh shot of bourbon. We're back with more Justified. Um, I, I really like, you know, how they are treating her like the criminal that she is, like they would any other criminal, right? Like time comes, we'll we'll do what we can to minimize the effect on you. And like you can tell that's other not. CI. She's like this. She's one of those people that uh, she knows those promises are complete bullshit. Well, it's not just that. It's, it's, it's in writing. More like she thought that she she never thought this day would come number one that too, and when yeah. she did she's like all this bluster and jockeying and bar but then at the end she's got to go along with it because they are blackmailing her and mm-hmm. it's way easier to do this and avoid jail than it is to and they, they certainly seem like they have the goods i mean everything they're saying here i the thing that bothers me in this is they're saying some things that are very specific. Like you mm-hmm. took bribes to get bad cops off the hook for bad shootings. That's very specific. And if they're wrong about that, then she would know that they don't actually have anything on her. Why do they go so specific? Cause I don't think they have that information. So I think care. So I think Carolyn suspected that Diane had done some dirty things. And if you are a friend, okay. like, you know, if you're a defense attorney, your friend, the prosecutor attorney, followed their career, you see a date and an amount and like a coded, you know, like you could probably go yeah. back and like, oh shit, that was for the trial where, so it's like one of those things where like, I, so I don't take think an she, educated guess. 
on it. Yeah, especially if you see patterns, because I, I didn't mm-hmm. think there was a single entry. She even said pages. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, I think a smart person like Carolyn could, could go through there and see that pattern. Because that's the, that's, that's the mm-hmm. people that, like, do this coded shit, then they think they're so fucking clever. It's like codes are hard to break if you have, like, a paragraph or, like, a page or something. But, like, if you got a whole fucking book and, oh, and sure. you got uncoded stuff like dates and times and transaction amounts, it's not that fucking hard to piece that together. Like, there's teams of forensic uh accountants that do just that so like uh, mm-hmm. i think they're kind of fooling themselves but okay so it's a very educated guess they're they're it's not very educated they're not just guess. fishing here they have some really good ideas of what she probably did and hell maybe maybe diane's crazy enough to get drunk and tell carolyn she's done it you know like as they were <laughs> like drinking they... buddies at the bar kind of levels of mm-hmm. acquaintance you know professional acquaintances so you know, the umbrella and the, the sparkler in this drink really reminds me of the time where I let those cops <laughs> off the hook. Took that bribe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had one of these directly after that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went to two the bar and these, I celebrated. Two more, two more of these, Carolyn, and I'll be ready to get a <laughs> unarmed man murderer off the streets, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. Um, all right, let's go over to Sweetie arriving back at the bar, and he talks with Lonnie, who... Is surprisingly pleasant, you know. He asks him to give up Clem's location so he can go get the painting, and then Sweetie get a call gets a call from Diane, who is still in the office with Marine and Raylan while she's talking to him. Uh, she offers thirty k for him to destroy her page in the book, and they set a meeting place and time. And then Sweetie sees an angle to finally get out, and he goes back over to the Lonnie, gives him the six k that he got from the last blackmail job. And tells him he can have the 30 more from Diane and the garlic painting as long as he kills Clem at the meat. Which is interesting that he's phrasing it like that because so far he's the only one going to this meet. Clem knows nothing about it. I think that was uh, the, the scene where he convinces him to go is very fun. It's very fun. Although on second watch I was like trying to figure out you know the whole like did Clem know just organically because he's that good at uh-huh, people uh-huh. or did Clem? Um, so this this scene is like uh, with with Lonnie Trinell where he fixes him a, a fresco. Um, this is where I thought that like there is something to Lonnie and the bulldozer because when Lonnie walks up to Trinell and like you know through in, you know through inference figures out that he's in a relationship with Sweetie, you think that like oh he's gonna say something homophobic. Because uh, that's where the scene was going in. But like he instantly turns on a dime and it's like, how long you've been together? Seven years. And he still doesn't tell you where he's going. Like to me, mm-hmm. that is sympathizing on a relational level that I don't think a dude like Lonnie busts into a bar and does. Unless he's got some first rate commiserating to do on his own, you know? <laughs> huh. Is that... Yeah, I, I, you're giving me I... the Aaron's crazy look. Uh, so like I, I might, I might be. But uh, potentially, I, I mean, it could also just be that he wants to find out where Sweetie is and where that painting is. Um, so, he's, so he's, he's pushing being, all the he's playing yeah, all the angles, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to be like, are uh, you really trust him that much? Why are you not giving up his location? He doesn't trust you. Why don't why don't you just you know tell me where he is? And we see for the first time when he sits across from Lonnie, like, you know, we've heard like Sweetie, like he Sweetie is Detroit. Like, you know, he knows everybody's run everything, done stuff on both sides of the law. But like this guy having this conversation, mm-hmm. 
Um, and like you can see Lonnie trying to figure him out too. Like, are you, you know, like he calls him, I'm not seeing her a house cat. Like it says, which is his way of saying like, I, okay, look, I respect you. I don't want to do like an op on you, but I also got to get paid and I got to get this painting. Um, yeah, I like to see a lot. It's, it's not your typical, you know, criminals waving their dicks at each other. Right. This is like two dudes who want each of them wants a thing. Yeah. And the other, and they're they're being really respectful to each other while while acknowledging I'm trying to get what I need to get, and I'm willing to give you what you want as long as we uh-huh. can make an arrangement here. Yeah, I feel like this is Elmer because you know there's certain types of criminals he writes, and they're either stupid or they're clever. And the clever ones, mm-hmm. and then and then they're either heart of gold or fucking uh, rotten bastards. That's yeah. the axis of the Elmer Leonard villains. And I feel like here here we have the like heart of gold. Uh, smart club like you know like we know that sweetie could have been something mm-hmm. except for a few things kind of went down you know he got mixed up with Clem maybe even romantically uh, but it'd be, yeah it's just a pleasure to see like competent uh, dangerous and that's like what's like sweetie says is like or you know as he's listening like well why you know after you've, you've been laying quiet why are you doing all this now and he's like well maybe this or maybe that or maybe I just missed sitting across the table like this from a man like you having a conversation like this, like and this the electricity. The, I, I love it, man, because like this gives you a glimpse into what sweetie could have had if he wasn't hooked up with some lunatic. Right. right. I mean, he is much, much smoother and much cooler headed than Clem. And Lonnie's that guy too. If they had teamed up instead of him and Clem, they, they probably could have pulled off, crimes forever you know and never got caught and i don't think sweetie is a pushover either like clem later in the episodes like i'm the one that always got to do dirty work i'm always got but like you know if you're with a roommate and like they accuse you never doing the dishes you're like what the fuck dude if there's one single spoon in the sink you fucking do the dishes like you know like if, if you're like kicking someone's ass three seconds into a conversation how can you say that i don't have what it takes to be the heavy like you're just like the heavy right off the bat um well well, there's another so so yeah clem says that and accuses uh you know sweetie of not pulling his weight but you look at the wrecking crew thing that they did and yeah, yeah sweetie didn't come in waving a gun and threatening people but he set that whole thing up I mean, he's right. in there doing the work of charming these guys, lulling them into a sense of security, getting the information, knowing where the money is. The same thing that Sandy is doing for Clem. And Clem mm-hmm. would give her zero credit. And, and in right. fact, does I do all thing. the work. I do right. all the work. I come yeah. in and I swing the gun around and I force people to give us what we want. Yeah, but you didn't know where the shit was in the first place. You couldn't set up a mark if you if your life depended on it. He just doesn't value what other people bring to that operation. Is that part of, but I think he does because like, this is part of the book thing. I think for the first time in his life, he feels like I found the thing and yeah, I'm not getting the proper amount of credit for not only being the hunter, but also the guy to close the, I'm the closer too. you know, those are sure. And and I think there's a bit of that, but also it's like, well, it's mid shit, dude. You don't give anyone credit for what they do. So even though the results of his actions and his Mm. methods of negotiation are getting assassins on his tail, like, yeah. If things go a little bit differently here, he's dead in the park today. You know, you get this. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. You got this whole book. You hit 10 of the softest guys. Uh-huh. 
for like a total of a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, and then you get to fuck out. And then you and know then you ran out of money later. a year from now. Yeah, come can, back and can, do it again. Can, yeah, maybe guys got less bark on them this time. Maybe there's a yeah. You you can for probably five to ten years. This stuff is going to be hot enough to to use on people. So like it just. I mean, Clem, Clem's Clem's a very clever dumb guy. What else can you say? <laughs> yeah, very observant, able to connect dots, but. And that's only if he's not, not getting supplied intelligence directly from the police because uh-huh, I'm ready to call uh-huh. him a fucking grand idiot <laughs> if it turns out that uh, he's just getting like Maureen's calling him on a cell phone and be like Raylan's on his way lol hide the book like mm-hmm. and this is where the episode starts to get really interesting with all the different angles uh, and all the different yeah. players you know um, Lonnie going in we get you know the sting operation you got Clem out there who's not going to have the book on him it, it's all it's all going to really come together great at the end mm-hmm. um, and poor bulldozer thinking he's just doing like oh I just like hey, he's on the world like it's like you got my painting yet this low stress easy Boom. steal no yeah. killing anybody and mm-hmm uh, what's better than Fresca? Apparently, whatever Trinell will fake with soda water and uh, a little bit of lime, uh, lemons and limes, maybe. Is it, yeah, uh, he might have just yeah. squirted some Sprite or Seven Up or something in the. Because I notice they 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 make the sounds of like ice and just like liquid spraying, right? So whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. on tap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he even saw him use the. I, I'm pretty sure it's like just uh-huh. soda. Yeah, you might you might be right. Maybe he put some bitters in there. Some. Maybe it's just water. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's better than Fresca. <laughs> just tap water. Uh, it was sparkling. It was sparkling tap water. I okay, definitely noticed that. Fair. Maybe, but maybe Sweetie's just got CO2 plumbed to his water pipe. Yeah, so maybe. All it's right, like, Clint. My, my, my urinals are sparkling. This is what do you think? This is some <laughs> shitty hole in the wall jazz, but no. Why does that sound so bad? I feel like that would. Put things yeah. in the air that you don't want in the yeah. air. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. There's a there's enough foam and weird shit going on <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in, in your in the situation. Urinal. You don't need CO two. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh god. All right, let's uh, let's go to Clem. Clem comes to Sweetie's to invite him to test drive his new car stereo. Uh, Sweetie cons him into going to the Diane meet alone by pretending he doesn't want him there, saying he's too crazy. Uh, I really like this scene, man. I think Sweetie knows just how to play Clem. He a couple episodes ago he said like to to Carolyn, I I got this guy. I know this guy. I can handle this when he's talking about I'm I've got an opportunity with the book. And I I think he does. He really knows him. It just doesn't quite work out for him because of circumstance. That's the thing when I rewatched this scene and I rewatched it a couple times. Sweetie is so smooth. I don't know what edge or crack that yeah that that Clem caught on to before he's because it like it just seemed like it was a foolproof, so subtle, so mm-hmm. such 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 a fine trap that there's just no way he could see it coming because it I, I think you're it right. organically used a uh, a part of their relationship that was building. Mm-hmm. 
and like a small like, hey, it's look, man, it's just a milk run. I don't need you doing your fucking easily provoked uh, vanilla gorilla routine on this bullshit, man. Like I yeah. And Clem's like, you know, a little hurt and wounded, but also like I I don't I yeah, I don't see how he figured it out. There was no it, tell at all. I, here's the thing. Maybe he doesn't figure it out. So so he could both not figure it out in this scene and also there be no mole and those things still work out that Clem just doesn't bring the book to the meat because he's talking about... Yeah. I mean, look at, look at the way Clem's behaved before, right? Like, he's talking about how he's gotten screwed in the last two deals. He's not going to get screwed again. So he does not bring the book just because he doesn't want to get sense. screwed. And then he sees Lonnie kind of like uh-huh, make him and, and he makes him and he's like yeah. uh yeah that because i did see so that there both. was there's a flash of recognition or like ah, i get it now when lonnie walked yes. past oh he he eyes him the entire time he's walking by so he doesn't bring the book uh-huh or yeah gun. you're right why not a gun though that's a good question Okay, the gun might be literally the smoking Actually, gun this, on this, whether there's this, a mole. This has more evidence that he completely was hornswoggled by Sweetie because Sweetie said this is a milk run. Like it's oh, like, so like yeah, he's like, well, I'm gonna trust me. I'm not gonna bring a gun. Maybe and Sweetie's he's right. trying to Maybe prove I... to Sweetie that he can do this without being the hothead, body leaving criminal. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, if there is think... a mole, this is a really smart misdirect because. It could. It's very plausible that he just left all that shit behind to prove something to Sweetie. And supp- I suppose this is a pretty straight up uh, adaptation of the Leonard novel. So, like, I buy uh-huh. that. That's a sure. hallmark, you know. This is a really uh, smartly written thing. Yeah, and it's well done because, like, you could do this on the page, but like, everyone's got to do their thing exactly right to pull this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty sophisticated. Uh, I love also, it. And it plays <laughs> on it. it, it feeds into what we're going to see later and kind of what we've been seeing all along with the relationship between yeah. Clem, and, Clem and Sweetie where Clem really looks up to Sweetie you know he wants his approval desperately and you can see that he and that would be the reason why he wants to go on this run and Sweetie knows that and Sweetie uses that I know that as a blaupunkt Oh, the stereo manufacturer? Yeah. I, I know that they were, especially back in the day, a well-regarded stereo manufacturer of car stereos. But, like, uh-huh. ever since MacGruber, I can't take <laughs> this brand seriously. And, like, I they... howled with laughter the second he started crowing about his blah punked. <laughs> Did they do, like, a whole thing with blah Oh, yeah, he's got that fucking shitty Miata with the blah punk removable uh oh, the dash radio oh, yeah, that you yeah. always stuck and yeah i didn't realize yeah. it was a blow punk okay yeah, it's blow punk jesus there's three people in the audience that get that 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 joke the scene that mm-hmm. movie uh and then we get the scene where sandy takes the garlic painting into an art gallery to try to sell it she's playing this really weird right she i feel like it's strange to come into an art gallery looking to get some uh, you know, a fair deal for your painting that you think is worth a bunch of money saying, I have no idea about art. I just want to ask you some questions about art and then showing them the painting and saying, oh, my mother, you know, it's her medical bills. We got to sell it. She she seems to be undermining her own plan here by saying, I know nothing about this. Please tell me what it's worth. And then like trying the play of 
pulling the heartstrings to get more money. Well, I think it's like one. What I understood from this is a, Sandy is a pretty sophisticated operator, but she only runs a very specific scam. And like, it's a well-known fact that like, if you want to get a man's attention, uh, pretend to be a little bit dumber than you are, and ask them to explain them something. Like, if you want to, if you want to f- find like ten guys to date tonight, and you're a woman, go to a Home Depot plumbing aisle and look confused, <laughs> okay. and you will okay. have. Like air traffic controllers will have to like it, or organize the stack of the guys swooping in to, to get in there. And I feel mm. like that's what she's so she's doing the I'm a poor dumb girl and I don't understand anything and I'm down and I need money. But it's not some dumb drunk guy at a casino. It's a sophisticated art deal that now sees her as the mark. I, but I think that's what I got that she's young. She's mm-hmm. experienced in a certain type of thing of manipulation to get what she wants and that's what she's trying here because she's desperate Does that yeah track? D- d- definitely Does that track with your experience as a young woman uh yeah yeah i do that every the weekend i'm at the home depot uh our producer's shaking her head she's got experience being a young okay. woman so there we go i yeah but she doesn't know anything about this painting is the the problem right like she and she yeah, tells dude, him that up be... front I, I wish she wouldn't have told him that up front I wish she would have gone with the sympathetic, you know, uh, I need money for bill, my mother's medical bills kind of thing, but not walked in and said, I know nothing about art. Please take advantage of me. Yeah, she should. She should be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Uh, And this guy, you know, he could tell her it's worth two grand and she'd probably have to believe him because what is the look in his face tells me he's sizing her up for like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we don't this come back shady, to this. This is a shady mechanic where someone has come up and be like, it's making a funny noise and I don't know what it is. And he's like, ah. Oh. Yeah. How much do I think they know about it? Right. How, do they know nothing. what an air filter cost? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carolyn calls up Sweetie to tell him to stay as far away from Clem as he can today because they're going to come down on him. Uh, Sweetie tries to call off the hit by calling Lonnie, but he's not answering his phone. So he leaves a message to call him back before he does the job. That's going to go spectacularly wrong. So where's the time? Because, like, was there something significant in the fact that he... Because Sweetie called him. We see him later at the park look at his phone and, like, see, like, oh, okay. What the fuck happened? Why did he miss the phone call? Oh, did Lonnie just not listen to the message? Did he see that there was a call? It's just weird like, that they I'm showed that he right got something. He looked at his phone and got something. And then later on, he's like, oh, man, I missed your call. He was all over before I heard your voicemail. And I'm like, well, why did they show me the... He didn't miss it. He just chose to ignore it. Does that mean something? Hmm. I don't think so. I think everything all that right. happens with Lonnie here is played pretty straight. So maybe but you're supposed to understand that like these that happen like simultaneously and he gets a phone call and it's just from and he's like, I just got, you know, I'm I'm the guy's right there. Like I got to go stab yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me finish this and then I'll get back to this call or whatever. Show's got but... me jumpy, man. I'm seeing shadows. Yeah. Uh, I understand. Um, The cops survey the park as Diane waits for the blackmailers. Lonnie shows up and he waits too. And then Clint finally shows up and makes contact with Diane. And Lonnie starts to make his move, but so do the cops at the exact same time. So he calls off the hit. Uh, Clem definitely scopes him, though. The cops grab mm-hmm. Clem. They search him, but he doesn't have the gun or the book. So they have to just let him walk. Raylan is not happy. 
Is it evidence that Moe's dirty that she jumped the gun here? She does jump the gun, right? Like, I would not make a move if I were the lead on this until I see the fucking book. Yeah, or a gun comes out. Or a gun, all right, obviously. Just making a casual threat of, like, you think I'm afraid to hurt you in front of all these people? I don't know, maybe... Maybe you're a good cop and you care about the CIs and you you would go. Because the I guess that's the other thing. is like either the guy's got the gun in the book or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you made, as soon as he showed up and asked for the money, you got the blackmail case. So you just need that the actual item. Uh, mm-hmm. And he didn't have it. So there's, I don't know that she waits five minutes. That uh, No, I guess if she kept waiting that he'd eventually have to reveal a second location where they would do the deal unless you're unless yeah. your yeah. original speculation that he was just going to take her money and then not give her shit and then try to hit her up again which uh, well um, i mean then then chase him through that whole process right eventually you would hope that i mean maybe clem wouldn't maybe clem would never give the book up and he would just let me keep ask, hitting her up for money let me ask you this so Clem gets up in Raylan's face and he's sizing him up and, and Raylan's still trying to do the job of a police officer and Clem's not having it. And at some point, Raylan kind of like steps back with the stunned look on his face and just kind of disassociates. Is this is, is this where he's having a realization of like no one's as lucky as you are? I think so. Um, but he didn't know that he didn't have the book at this point. He's, he's just like... He's just stunned that like... He, really? Mo hadn't come up and said, "No, this is next." According to my notes, is that oh. that happens that that happens next? Huh? Maybe. I, yeah. I mean, he. I don't know. I thought. I thought he. The time that I noticed he was stunned was when he realized that Clem was just going to walk on this. Huh. That they had maybe nothing on him. Um. So maybe maybe it happens a couple times, but I mean that's that's devastating, right? Like Raylan thinks he's got him. He's kind of oh, he's kind of yeah. juiced. He spent all his juice here, you know. Uh huh. A lot I of can't. It. I can't really do this DA trick again. Like even right. if the DA is down for it, Clem's not. So. Um. And like yeah. I said, they're not going to have like I don't think the Carolyn has enough information to infer everyone's identity. So it's not like they can keep going down the list. This was really a movie. She's got that one them. name. Yeah. Um, I did then, like some of the dialogue, like how Raylan continued to like act dumb about what Clem, you know, Clem's like, let's, uh, you know, yeah, as long as it's been since you've shot someone with that gun. And he's like, uh, oh, he's like, I want to do a shootout with you. He's like, I don't think they got a range where you're going. He's like, oh, let's meet out in the street. So mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll ask the chief, says if he thinks it's okay. <laughs> it's just like, uh-huh. uh, that's great. I, uh, they're definitely yeah. te- teasing the shootout. The thing is, like, so I've seen Raylan take down bigger game than Clem. Is like the quick thing. Draw when it comes artists. to a shootout. Yeah, I, I've yeah, seen. Like, I, I remember the Boone or whatever his name was from mm-hmm. Justified. He was a no shit quick draw artist. Uh, he he was a guy who's probably at the range every weekend practicing his quick draw. I've seen Raylan. You know, get shot by him, but also blow holes in that dude. So yeah. I don't think there's, Clint there's is a, a little trickery in involved with that though, but I think isn't that the one where he did the napkin pull? The napkin pull? No, the, I'm talking about the very end of Justified, where like oh, they're just standing yeah, okay. in the street, you know, feet I away you were, from I each guess other. I guess I maybe got Quarles because Quarles is the guy oh. who did the knife to the hand and then the I the hidden right, gun. Yeah. 
and Raylan in had the, the, in the uh, sleeve, right? Yeah, yeah. When he went to go stab, he grabbed it with the 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 towel and pulled it forward so to get, and then he just yeah, right. But you're right. I I, I don't think Raylan. I, there's nothing about Clem that says that he's a threat to Raylan if Raylan sees him coming. Exactly. Yeah. But if Clem goes to Florida and grabs Raylan's girl, still in this Florida thing. I mean, I guess he's sure take, take the garlic money. Yeah. And promise, hey, we're going to the Bahamas. Start heading that way, right? Out to Florida. Uh-huh. I got to make a stop before we... Just one stop, baby. Yeah, That's it. just one quick stop. It's another oh. girl we're picking up. You'll like her. Um, yeah, there's there's possibilities there. My only question is, is this and happen next episode? we get Winona episode? back in the picture? I would love to see Winona in this series. Yeah, I could see a little cameo, Winona cameo. Um, I do think that uh, my only question is, are they going to get Willa back next week or the the save it all for the finale? Oh, man, you really I mean, you can't you can't take out Clem next episode, right? You got to wait for the finale. Well, I'm not saying that, like, I'm just saying, like, is it going to be a two parter him grabbing Willa or is it going to be like I I can see him grabbing her at the end of the episode? Uh, I see the classic the, the cliffhanger. Uh huh, and then stretch it out into episode ten, or mm. sorry, episode eight rather. Gotcha. Um, I can see that happening, but I don't know. I've I been did... so wrong about this show so many times. I I don't know what it'll do. Who knows? <laughs> I do think, I do think that um, some evidence that Mo is a mole is how nonchalant she takes this crushing defeat. Yeah. Like oh shucks, we didn't get him. Like, even if you don't care about the Clem of it all, you just, you're never going to be able to walk into another DA's, a corrupt DA's office and threaten them with certain knowledge of a book that you don't even, yeah. Like, I just mm-hmm. think that's like uh, a cop that wasn't on the tape would have taken this a little harder than they did. Been a little more pissed yeah. at Raylan. Mm-hmm. I, you had me hang out my whole fucking career on a hunch or on some bullshit information you got dicking down the DA and and she's just mm-hmm. like ah chin up we'll get him <laughs> yeah that's fishy as hell actually you'd think so yeah we'll see you're listening to the justified podcast we'll be right back Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd.
Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Howdy, deputy. We're back with the Justified Podcast. All right, so this is a scene we want to talk about earlier. Something about that sting is just bothering Raylan. Um, it's how Clem seems to be getting so lucky so often, and he thinks it's fishy and asks Wendell his opinion, and Wendell asks him to change the subject. You know, he does not want to even consider the idea that there are well, okay, maybe that's what's going on. He he doesn't want to consider the idea that there are dirty cops tipping off criminals. Does he not want to consider that or have a conversation about it because he is that dirty cop? That's one option. He refuses to believe that that's even possible or it's so pervasive that he doesn't want to open that can of worms and he knows it. It feels like the latter because I don't think, like if there's corrupt cops in the force, I don't think Wendell would be stupid enough not to know it. Yeah. Um, but the weird, the, the one I want to say is like the, when, cause so he, he shuts down hard, like you said, uh, and he says, look, either way, whether this guy's super fucking lucky or we got a bent cop, I'm not interested in debating it. And I'm, and, and I wouldn't know, which to me mm-hmm. tells me that like, I'm not what there. Yeah. There's bent cops in this town, but I'm not one of them. But then Raylan looks at him real weird and he goes, okay, then. And I'm not sure if that was Raylan being like, all right, you passed my lie detector, and now I know it's either Mo or Brill, or okay, then, like, that's the wrong answer you gave me. The thing is, so, so I want to say maybe it's you passed the lie detector, and I actually might agree with you. Because um, what he does next is go straight to Carolyn. He doesn't mm. go off on some mission to try and uncover the mole within the cops he goes to carolyn so i wonder if he's connecting that dot that there's some other back channel here that he has not sussed out and he wants explanations damn it well it's possible that he just thinks that his relationship with carolyn will get him better results like he can sure yeah like she might have this information as someone or he might suspect that she betrayed him for her own purposes and he wants uh-huh. to suss that out too yeah like i said he knows he's getting played he just doesn't know who for sure. Uh, yeah, so like I said, that night, Raylan drives out to Carolyn's house to get answers from her about the book, and she invites him inside this time. Uh, I want what you don't want to tell me, and if I can't get that from you, I really got no business being here. So he's sleeping with Carolyn just to get information on her client, because that's, that's what that line says to me. implication is, or maybe uh-huh. like, there could be the thing of like, the jig is up, people have found out. So like we're you know like if I can't be here in uh, official capacity then I can't be here. That might make sense. Yeah, and things have so changed at this point for for his understanding of stuff that. Yeah. He might. Yeah, he might be like looking to end this because it's just not 
proper. It is an interesting juxtaposition because I think you're supposed to draw some conclusions from the beginning of the episode where she's doing this to him and it's very flirty and, you know, he's being very to where, like, I don't know what. Maybe this was supposed to be flirty. Um, but I definitely got more of she's trying to placate him. She understands that he's upset and it, they're getting to the point where she's going to have to give up something. I wonder if any of this connects to Jamal in a, a concrete way, like that fraud you know, with their wilder and wilder stuff. I, th- there could be something very personal here that she God has been keeping. And there's so many moving pieces. Even taking Sweetie off, I fucking forgot about Jamal. Right, right. The Albanian yeah, Jamal, he could be running, you kind of forget about it all. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know if they have time for the classic. Like, you know, Winona's husband, the real estate agent who is like the anti-Raylan, and then you find out in season two he's taking money from the Dixie Mafia and almost gets himself killed, like, Oh, it's another complication that Raylan and Carolyn don't need, but uh-huh. it's another fucking plotter and planner that thinks he's cl- more clever than he is. So, yeah, that's another interesting possibility. Yeah, uh, I- I'm really curious to see. Ho- hopefully we get to see a conversation between them, an honest conversation at some point. But we'll see. Yeah, I hope we- it'd-, it'd be nice to start the episode with Raylan and Carolyn's talk, honestly, the next one. Right. Because we don't and get back Lonnie, to them. Uh, we're, we're in the final scene here, the big one. Uh, Lonnie shows up at Sweetie's bar to tell him that the meet was a setup and that the cops probably got Clem. But lo and behold, who walks in the door? None other than Clem himself. Uh, he shoots Lonnie in the head while he's on the phone with Bert, knowing that Sweetie set him up. Clem makes Sweetie listen to his cover of Seven Nation Army before shooting him in the heart and burning his bar to the ground. And this is, you know, where he, he makes him unplug the jukebox so they can hear the Seven Nation Army. The gun's not there because Trinell moved it. And then the saddest part for me was when the bar is on fire and Trinell like looks out the window and sees it. He comes running down and it's so tragic because I'm not sure if he's registering this, but I am as a viewer. He had a significant hand in this yeah. by moving that gun, by... By, by just helping out where he can, you know? It's it's so ironic and so sad. And the bar explodes. It knocks out. I, I hope he's okay. He might be fucking dead. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's a big explosion, uh, but it's but it's not like a... It's not like a, a high... Uh, it's not like a concussion. That's true. Concussion I feel like it's that's more the like thing. It's like alcohol, gasoline In real life, explosion. that could kill you, like a shard of glass coming, you know. Sure. But like in movie yeah, in movie terms, that's not an explosion that kills you. Yeah. Probably not. No. Um, I mean, this is a great. This is a great the, the piece of dialogue. Um, it's like as it's the again in, in the the mirror image of the previous scene where like Sweetie's playing it's sweet and just everything's super cool now the trap is sprung it didn't get the right didn't didn't get the oklahoma wild man so now he's back and the shoe's on the other foot uh, mm-hmm. is there any way sweetie gets out of this alive without the gun i don't think so no because there's this that great line where he's like even with a gun on you you can't just lie to me and tell me i got a good voice like there's mm-hmm. this like a little bit of respect because I think if Sweeney just says yeah man you sound great so just you're just you're like twice as good as Jack White he still gets his brains blown out yeah because Clem, sure. Clem knows he sucks 
Yeah, he, he betrayed Clem. I so why he won't even let Sandy listen to his 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 tracks. Because <laughs> Clem right. does suck, right? Like Clem doesn't make it I, on round one of American Idol. It, yeah, I mean he's not gonna he's not gonna make it through for being a great singer. He's he doesn't fine. make it to round one. He doesn't make it to the he did Simon Cowell and Paula both pass on him because yeah, he's it's a no dog. And I was sure. sitting there like. Because, you know, usually he sang over and I'm like, okay, well, that's not the worst I've ever heard. But when you just hear him isolated, it's pretty. Now, I I mean, this actor could be a good singer and he's intentionally sounding like (laughs) shit. It's not it's not awful, but it's no Jack White in comparison to Jack White. It's it's garbage, right? Like I I just like to. Here's the thing. Like if you cannot carry a tune, if you mm -hmm. cannot stay then you're not a good singer. And this guy's sure. warbling all over the place. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. And there are better moments and worse moments. It depends, like, you know, what part of the song he's in. But well, yeah, that's a, definitely, I, I, it's not. I, I, don't, I don't know if people think of that, but I, I feel like that's a very hard song to f- sing because he's doing a lot of complicated falsetto and vibrato mm-hmm. and uh, weird pr- uh, phrasing and pitch changes and all this stuff. And Here's yeah, the other just, thing about a cover song. Yeah. You gotta make a cover your own, yeah, and, dude. and I think that's the most offensive thing to to Sweetie. It's not that he can't sing; it's that he's trying to be Jack White, and and just make it your own. Like, Sweetie's cover of Seven Nation Army would be entirely different. Oh, it would be badass. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. So yeah, that's the most offensive thing to him. And here's the thing: like, Clem. You can see in this moment really looks up to him, really wants Sweetie's approval. And, and he's been so of... afraid uh, to show him, you know, his work because he knows how good Sweetie was. Can I read a piece of feedback we got on the big old ears comment? Yes, I saw I think this. it really this I think it great. really underlines this. This really uh-huh. helped me. So this is Justin wrote this in. He says, Miles Davis telling an up and coming jazz musician you got big ears after a jam session is basically engineered in a lab to be the highest possible compliment for the young jazz musician. He isn't telling me he's the best player he's ever heard, saying that would mean Miles was bullshitting him. He's Miles uh fucking Davis. He was the best player he'd ever heard and he wasn't shy about <laughs> it. But he's saying that he was impressed with his ability to listen while he plays. Any musician of any genre that plays in any form or size of ensemble has a uh, has to develop the ability to not just execute the mechanics of their instrument, but also be constantly listening to make sure that they stay in alignment with whatever the larger ensemble is doing with the piece. Jazz, and especially the late Miles Davis, goes everywhere or nowhere in any given moment, so you have to be completely tuned into or listening to every other musician. Any genre, you got to listen to keep the rhythm tight in a group. But in jazz, they're listening to what themes and motifs the other players are developing and then leaning into their own improvisation into that. So the depths and importance of you got big ears is basically saying, you got it, kid. You hear it. You can play at this level. Heart-stopping stuff for a young sweetling. Uh, And an extra note of context, as Sweetie mentions, this was only a few weeks or months before Miles died. So the legend of Miles Davis was already in full bloom and arguably in terms of worldwide recognition. He's still the world's biggest jazz star at the time when the world hadn't fully forgotten about jazz. So the weight of playing with him at that time (laughs) is fully realized for young Sweetie. Uh, So what Clem is asking here is you've got these golden ears mm-hmm. blessed by miles fucking davis do i got it do i got what it takes mm-hmm. and, and he says no 
you get the idea that maybe he's kept Sweetie around, like hoping that like he would round into musician, that like he would be, you know, he'd come up with the tape, the demo tape, that he was ready for Sweetie to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad all the way around, right? Yeah, it's. They had the feeling of like so Commodus strangling feel... Marcus Aurelius and 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 Gladiator. Sure, you yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. No, I I feel bad for Clem. In on one hand, right, because he does want to. He wants to be this thing that he's just unequipped to be, um, and he feels that and he knows it. And he's in those spheres too. Like hanging out with Sweetie must be a constant reminder of how bad he is at what he wants to do. Right. So yeah, I, he's he's just such a just a little boy in this scene. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's he's seek, so he's approval seeking, and like, uh, and and the thing about this cover is, it's such a fucking by the numbers cover. Yeah, that Sweetie thinks this is a joke, not just because he can't sing, but that he does not have the ears. He yeah. he cannot hear what the essence of what Jack White is doing in that song is, and make it he's his basic. own. He's just mimicking somebody who's mm-hmm. better than him. You know. Mm-hmm. It's the and, far, and it, it as far ties away you can back get from to, jazz. It, it, yes, exactly. And it all ties back even to, it, it's deeper in his persona, right? Because he looks at the things that other people have. He looks at Del Weems' uh, condo or whatever this is, and he's like, I'm the king of the world, but he's sitting in a borrowed condo. The guy doesn't know he's there. He didn't earn any of this. He doesn't have right. what it takes to actually be the guy who has any of this stuff. He just kind of, he he's trying to get there, but he's not equipped to, you know, every time he goes out and rams another car and has another blackmail victim jump off a ledge, he's proving that he doesn't have what it takes. And then when he says, you know, close your eyes, I ain't going to go out here in your honky chicken fat cover shit. The <laughs> fact that the chicken fat came out, I think uh-huh. was especially wounding. Like that's the right? hand insult he had for Rayland. And now, Love it. The man that he worshipped musically is saying it to him. Yeah, it's such a great, it's such a great scene. It's the culmination of this entire relationship in one scene, uh, and in a tragic scene because I don't want to see not happy. Die. You can see as soon as he squeezes no. the trigger, he's like, "God damn, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I could have that one back." At least that's how I thought it, it went. Yeah, or just regretting that he had to do it. Yeah. Um, maybe I I don't know, but yeah, it's it's rough because Sweetie's gone, and I like Sweetie a lot. <sighs> yeah, there's not the uh, there's a shortage of proper criminals in the city now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, the Albanians need to come back and force. Man. That's true. That's true. We need the law garage and his family back. Uh, the uh, other the thing end- I really love. Hold, hold oh, on. Yeah? The other thing I love about this scene is the way that this all came together with the gun because. Right? Mm. If you remember back to it's like episode three, it's been forever since yep. Sweetie stashed this gun in the jukebox and and he's doing it in front of Trinell. Trinell sees the gun and he's like stashing it behind the jukebox and he says, let him think he's got an ace in the hole and we get to see the look on his face when he gets got. And this is the Elmore Leonard of it, right? This is because I never expected it to come back this way. I that expected way, yeah. it to to be something bigger, something more like thought out by the characters. But here it is just this dumb luck 
puts the gun in a different place for himself yeah and it turned out to be the exact opposite and Clint doesn't even appreciate it because like there was a part when I was rewatching these scenes where I was like is this because I I, again I watched I I swear to God I watched this episode multiple times I I missed both times the fact that Trinell had the Walther P38 Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I thought that Clem telling him to go unplug the jukebox was a massive flex because he knew that he had already taken. Because he the gun. knew that he was going to go there and come up with his <laughs> nothing but his dick in his hands. <laughs> uh-huh. And but no, like it's like yeah, I think that uh, Sweetie set him up, uh, and he didn't even appreciate it. He didn't even appreciate that uh, how close to death he came. Yeah, and it, I I almost feel like. I don't know if it's a lesser show that would have done this, a less confident show that would have done this, but you almost want a flashback in that moment. When Sweetie sees, like, feels around for the gun and it's not there, you almost want a flashback to him saying, you know, let's see his face when he gets got, and then yeah. the flashback to Trinell moving the gun and the tragedy of it all. <laughs> You're but this right, show would be just, a lesser show. Oh, a much uh, lesser show, but this show just lets you know all that let's yeah, you right. just pick all that out of the scene and it's it's great almost four episodes ago yeah uh-huh well, we had a lot of we had a lot of checkoffs devices uh that we were worried about uh, throughout the season and this is one um so is the gun still important i don't i don't know because like any evidence was knows on the gun the importance... is gone right like oh, that, it's in burnt. the bar yeah, it's burnt, burnt up, up exploded I don't think the Wrecking Crew stuff comes back on Clem now, Shit. even if they get was, the, the gun. I was thinking, because, like, yeah, Trinell knows the significance of that gun. He didn't know about the, but, like, he could, but, yeah, there's no way. There's no way those prints survive a bar fire. Yeah, I don't think Clem's prints are going to be on that. I don't think the gun survives, honestly. Yeah, they, they, won't, they won't link. I don't think they're going to link Clem to this. I don't know how they really would. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if some criminal invest, uh, forensics guy is like, yeah, I should be surprised to how how uh, much uh, heat the, the barrel, or the steel barrel of a gun can take and you can get the ballistics. So I don't know. But but the I, I think that the show is telling us with the, the bar being burnt down to the ground that nothing in there is going to be able to be recovered. What gun does Clem shoot Sweetie with? That's a good fucking question. I don't know. Thinking it looked it, a I'm lot like, like act- call. It looked a lot like Raylan's. Like I think he uses a Sig. Uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't that World War II replica. Huh? Uh, I don't know. Which is funny because it looked exactly like the gun that he described to Raylan as a limp dick. You know, but but I wonder if he <laughs> has gotten something very similar to his service carry, just as like a fixation thing. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, that's the episode, man. Good one. Uh, all right, we got a couple. We already s- discussed some feedback. We got a couple other pieces. Uh, justified at baldmove.com. If you'd like to get your words in before the season's over, Scott says, not much speculation for me on the show, but uh, again, a compliment on the writing. Much like the original Justified show did, this series manages to sprinkle original Leonard dialogue into the show, and it fits right in. And the diner scene in You Good, as Sweetie and Clem discuss potential marks, Sweetie dismisses the idea of running a scam on Roger Block because he probably has some hard bark on him. This references my favorite line of Leonard dialogue from the superb 1967 film Ombre, starring Paul Newman, where Richard Boone tells Newman, Mister, you got some hard bark on you. I love that line. It's a testament to how this, sh- this show, testament to this show, that this line of dialogue fits right in. 
If you and your listeners haven't checked out Ombre, I'd encourage you to do so. It's basically pretty much a word-for-word rendition of Leonard's book of the same name. I don't know about you, but he kind of had me at Paul Newman, Elmore Leonard, crying Uh like, this sounds like I got to watch this this weekend, dude. I know. Yeah, I'm on Uh, the IMDb right now. Paul Newman with long hair. Paul Newman plays multiple roles in this? No. Or... No, he's, he's just, just one, but he, man. it must be different time periods. He's got short hair and long hair. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I've never heard of this, which is shocking because I'm a big Paul Newman fan. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would watch this. Says I'm, I'm now at the stage though, that I'm nervously hoping this miniseries sticks to landing. The original show had one of the most satisfying endings to a great show I can think of. And I hope this does too. This miniseries in fact might be in the running for high risk, high reward at the Baldies this year. Oh, oh, for sure. This is the definition. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do a six season run that everyone says, ah, that's the perfect satisfying end for a real justified fan and then run back a miniseries and not have that jeopardize the legacy, which is that's the whole risk risk reward award in, in, in a nutshell. Yeah, so. Totally. Um, but we'll see. And the other thing is like, I think if this I don't know if this is successful if it is successful, I know that there's plans for more. And like, you know, I, I thought the same way about Indiana Jones, like with the, uh, the, the crystal skull, like, oh, they fucked it all up. And then I kind of think they redeemed it with the dial of destiny. So maybe yeah, we'll like get the, but that's assuming justified city primeval doesn't give us another good, uh, exit on the lawman and his family. Uh, we already did Justin's with the big ears. Reginald says in episode six, adios, we see a character keeper integrity despite being under extreme pressure, mostly based on the bad actions of others. While Carolyn Wilder's a tenacious defense attorney, she's no Saul Goodman. While tempted to do the wrong thing for the right reasons, she's no Walter White. Carolyn isn't going to use her bad fortune as an excuse to break bad. I was holding my breath, wondering what she's going to do, but Carolyn ended up being the good person I was hoping she was. While it's no shock, it's still a bit disturbing to see Sweetie get shot and killed he was no saint but he's no monster like clement mansell if he did have to die it was good to see sweetie go out like he did ever since kokomo we've seen sweetie become increasingly confident confident and exerting himself more you telling me to hush he snaps at clement the sweetie from the first episode would never have been able to do that so in the end sweetie stays true to himself like mansell said even with a gun on you you can't lie to me and tell me you like it sweetie has too much respect for the music to give a fake compliment to that idiot Mm-hmm. Um, if Carolyn is not actually uh, the big bad manipulating everything, I agree 100% yeah, with yeah. your analysis that she does like push right to the point, tries to do things the right way rather than doing things the wrong way. Do you think the death of Sweetie changes that calculus any? Oh, it might. Um, yeah, when she finds out about that, I think she's going to be probably heartbroken. I don't know her exact relationship with Sweetie, but they were close. So... Does that yeah. like free her of any obligation to try to do things the right way if her mentor? It could. I mean, dies. it really depends on what kind of person you are, right? You can double down and and be like, all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna double my efforts and get this person the right way and help you know help the cops break break maybe some of my oaths as a defense attorney, but you know she's already done that. Um, or you can yeah go off the off the books off the beaten path. Rank the following in terms of probability. Clem gets arrested and put away. Clem gets in a ah. shootout mm-hmm. with someone and dies. 
and Clem gets in a shootout with Raylan and dies. And Clem gets in a shootout with Raylan and Raylan dies. What, what's your probability? <laughs> ah, okay, so first and last are right out. No, there is no chance Clem goes to he's prison. He's not fucking... And he's not going to kill Raylan in a shootout. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be a kick in the dick. There's no, there's no way. Would be. <laughs> going there's back no to going back Raylan. to poor Scott, that would that would besmirch the legacy. If Raylan fucking Givings gets killed by the Oklahoma Wild Man, mm-hmm. I'll burn the Stetson Six X Beaver Felt hat that I don't own. I yeah, this, <laughs> I'll buy one and burn it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, I'll it's exactly four hundred bucks and I'll yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll set on fire while I'm drinking a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle and pissing on it. It's yeah, it, it would be unthinkable. I, I agree. I agree with that. So I you mean, think he's going to put him it, under? It's, yeah, it's it's the showdown. It's going to happen and Raylan's going to win and we're all going to cheer because we love Raylan. that. Like, you know, like Ava. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ava's the one that shoots Boyd, right? In season one. It's not Raylan after all the buildup. Ooh, that puts him uh, in the hospital or maybe maybe it is her she shoots both of the boy brothers with a shotgun but my point is like sometimes they'll I set you remember. up with you think it's one and like i could see a real possibility of carolyn doing it because they've they've teased that she has some guns she can protect herself at least in her I, and i wonder if clem will so underestimate her that she ends up plugging him in self-defense okay. i could see that yeah yeah i don't think there's any chance he makes it out of the season alive um so yeah, either one of them would be justified, I think. Uh, what about is it Shelly? Is it Shelly? Is that Clem's girlfriend? Oh, Sandy. Yeah. Sandy, God damn it! Is Sandy kill Clem? Oh, I really can't see it. She is doesn't... there anyone in the running besides Raylan, Carolyn, and I guess you don't like Sandy? Law Garage is people. Yeah. Yeah, the Albanians could kind of get Raylan off the hook for needing to kill him. You know, just coming and do their thing. Because I'm telling you, the Albanians have to come back. I'll be oh, I really agree. disappointed I if they set that all up and did nothing with it. Yeah, I agree with that. But they could be another complication that, you know, stymies Raylan again, right? It, it could be the meat, the, the, the sting all over again. Heading into the penultimate episode, I feel like we're going to get less and less redirects and more and more direct action yeah. but we'll see uh do you have anything else no i think that's it justified at baldmove.com is how you send us feedback if you'd like to find out all the other things we're doing we're currently considering foundation we're about to get back to daryl dixon yeah yeah believe it or not the walking mm-hmm. dead still happening we're going to do the daryl dixon spinoff um god damn i'm always forgetting one other thing that's about Loki. to start Loki, yes, uh, and tons more stuff coming out this winter and next year. If you want to uh, keep up with all that, follow us on any social media of your choice at Bald Move, uh, except for TikTok, we're Baldest Move there. Uh, you can also support us if you like to like what we're doing and you want more of it with uh, with zero ads. Go to support.baldmove.com and uh, help keep us podcasting. That's going to be it for us this week. We will see you next time on Justified. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Adios. Adios.